welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. I'm thankful for that. Amen. Verse number one, but the children of Israel committed a trespass against, uh, committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of uh, Zabadiah, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. Pretty cool. Ai is even in the Bible. This just... (laughs) Amen. We were way ahead of this thing. Amen. Uh, which is beside Bethaven on the side of Bethel and spake unto them saying, go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, let not all the people go. But let about 2,000, two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai and make not all the people labor thither for there are few So there went up thither the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men. For they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shabriam, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. I know this is tragic, but hold on. I got a little more reading to do. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening tide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we have been would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Would that we'd been content and we'd have just stayed over there. O Lord, for what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall uh, environ us round and cut us off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do? (laughs) What wilt thou do? unto thy great name. And Joshua, the Lord said unto Joshua, get up, boy. Stand up. Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Amen. But the Lord said in verse 10, get thee up. Get up. Why are you laying down here squalling and bawling? You got what was coming to you. Now, I'm going to give you my title in just a moment. And I know this is a heavy story. I don't want you to think that, you know, brace for it. You know, the, the hammer's coming down. 
I'm going to talk about this story. And I'll give you my title in just a moment. But I've come to preach to your faith today. I've come to preach to, to weary people and to exhausted faith. People that believe and say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Somebody that's willing enough to say, I have been in the fight. I'm not giving up, but I'm a little weary right now. And I need you to strengthen my faith. That's who I'm reaching to today. Let's pray for the next moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your tremendous presence in this place. I thank you for everyone that has made the effort and the commitment and the sacrifice to be in your house. Lord, I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay to speak as the oracle of heaven. And I pray that you would anoint every ear to hear, every heart to receive, every spirit to bear witness of your word, O oh Lord, and everyone to respond. Lord, I pray do what only you can do in this place. Let there be healing. Let there be deliverance and encouragement, Lord. Set the crooked things straight, O oh God. Bless in this house and strengthen by your own hand. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. And would you just thank the Lord for that, what he's about to do right now? Right now, could you take about 25 seconds and just thank him? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, we're going to make it. Tell somebody else, your faith's about to be strengthened. <clears throat> the Chinese general Sun Tzu wrote a book, some of you may be familiar with, called The Art of War. It's an ancient book, and it has been one of the most studied books of warfare in the history of mankind, as much if not more than the works of Homer studies of the wars of Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar, and even the warfare, even of Scripture. Sun Tzu, in his book, The Art of War, says this philosophy. These are his four principal philosophies. When we are able to attack, we must seem unable. When using our force, we must seem inactive. When we are near, we must make the enemy believe we are far away. When we are far away, we must make the enemy to believe that we are near. It was his belief that all war is based on deception. And that the greatest advantage in warfare is surprise. It was Sun Tzu who defeated an army of over 200,000 men with about 30,000 men. And I have come to realize that surprise often reveals our expectation of the situation. It brings our preparation into light when surprise comes our way. In other words, what is in us comes out of us in the moments of 
uh, of resistance and in the battle. Someone once said that luck is nothing more than the residue of preparation when talking about a sports team. They said you got lucky, and his response was, well, luck is the residue of preparation, meaning really there is no luck. It's just what you had been planning to do all along. Let, let me just say this. Nobody backslides on accident. Nobody stops serving God on a whim. Nobody walks away from God in a moment. There was preparation for that. There was the letting go of, of consecration and a prayer life and, and study of the word of God and fellowship of the saints of God. Amen. And, and surprise has a way of bringing our preparation to light. Amen. What, what, how we react is really who we are. Because what we put in us comes out of us. We saw this in COVID. Some people stopped serving God. They didn't stop serving God in COVID. That's just when they separated. What was in them came out of them. What they had prepared for themselves is what came out of them. Amen. When we are surprised by the turn of events, our faith clearly stands out above everything else. Either we didn't believe it could happen or we didn't see the possibility of it coming to pass either way surprise has a way of revealing our faith the unexpected has a way of revealing our faith things we didn't see coming our reaction has a way of revealing our faith and this afternoon I simply want to preach to you on this thought the element of surprise it's only human nature to be surprised It's part of the limited range of our mind. It's the element. Look at somebody and say, the element of surprise. I, I, I one time saw a, a shirt, and, and, and it said it was one of those periodic tables, and it had the letters O-H on it, and it said the element of surprise, O. I love that. I thought that was great. Amen. Look at somebody and say the element of surprise. It, it, it's only human nature to be surprised. Amen. It, it's part of the limited range of our mind. So lost are we in a train of thought that, that what actually happens to us stuns us. M a mediocre, mundane things can happen to us and, and we're surprised. Amen. How many's ever been there before? That's why I'm preaching on the element of surprise. Have you ever been doing something that, that you did every day only for something ordinary just to surprise you anyway? Have you ever put something in the microwave and you pushed one minute and when the timer went off, you were so consumed responding to a text or talking to somebody that when the microwave went off, it startled you, but you were the one that set that into motion. I'm preaching about the element of surprise. It catches us off guard. All of us are surprised at one time or another. Well, a surprise birthday party, a, a secret admirer, or an unexpected compliment, or better yet, not having to pay taxes. Don't shout too loud. Don't get your hopes up. Amen. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe not the good stuff. Maybe the surprise is something bad. Maybe the surprise is a car wreck. Maybe it's a broken home. Maybe it's a believer who has fallen out of their relationship with Christ, but all of us at one time or another, we have had surprise in our life. And as much as everyone is surprised, it's amazing the things that surprise us. I read a story of a man from Long Island who purchased a weather barometer. This is a true story. 
He purchased a weather barometer. He had, he had always wanted one, Brother Strickland. Uh, he sounds a lot like you. He had researched it thoroughly. He knew which one he wanted. He knew exactly how much it cost. He actually found the one that was most scientifically recommended for him. And he looked through the catalogs, and he studied, and he researched. This was years ago, and he, he found the most highly recommended barometer. It was quite expensive. It took him quite a bit of time, but he was able to save his money and find that tells you how long ago it was he didn't get a charge card for it amen he, he was finally able to buy it and he was so excited about getting this instrument of weather to 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 help read and detect weather this barometer he was so excited he looked for the package every day until it arrived he went to the post office he went to the mailbox asking when it would arrive this is before tracking numbers amen and finally he looked for it in the day it finally arrived it showed up. The long-awaited day had finally come. He saw it. He went. He got it. He ran into the house. He opened the package, and with bated breath, he held the brand new, you know, let's just call it the TG-1000BR Ruby Platinum Barometer in his hand. Amen. And he was just in awe of it. He, But as he looked at it closer, his heart sunk because he realized that the needle was Duck, and it was stuck where the meter read hurricane. And he said, well, this isn't right. So he tapped it two or three times, and the needle didn't move. It was still stuck uh, on the same word, the indicator hurricane. He kept tapping it, and he didn't want to hit it too hard because he had paid a lot of money for it, and he shook it. And after he realized that needle was not going to move, he set it on the table, so distraught. Amen. After realizing it wasn't working, he got angry about all the money he had spent. And so he went over to the counter, and he grabbed a piece of paper and sat down with a pen, and he wrote a letter to the company. And believe you me, he gave them the business as he wrote this letter front and back about how disappointed he was in this instrument. He got up the next morning, amen, and he looked at the barometer and checked it again. Maybe during the night it had acclimated. It was, nope, sure enough, it was still stuck on Hurricane. On his way to work, he, he licked the, the envelope and he sealed it shut and he slammed it into the mailbox and he stomped away under his breath saying, I can't believe those people ripped me off. I can't believe I bought a broken barometer. I've been waiting for months and months for this and on the way to work he didn't pay a lot of attention to what was going on because he was so consumed with how mad he was that the barometer came broke and he was so angry until after he started driving home he started realizing that something was up with the weather amen and the closer he got home the worse it got because when he got home he would check on the barometer again to see what was going on with the weather barometer only to his surprise when he got home there was no house I'm talking about the element of surprise this man was so sure that something was wrong with the barometer and he was surprised to find out that it had been right all along it just couldn't be 
Certainly it ain't so, only to find out it had been right. It was exactly where it was supposed to be, but his perception of it was wrong because he had already prejudged the situation before it came along. I want to tell you something. Amen. We ought not be surprised when the needle of God's word says something in our life and we're tapping on the Bible saying, certainly God didn't mean that. Certainly that's not what God meant. We turn it upside down and we shake it. Maybe we go on YouTube and find a preacher that'll go along with our theory. There's going to be a lot of surprised people on Judgment Day that were trying to find a barometer that fit their agenda rather than our agenda fitting the barometer. It's one thing to think that it was broke all along to know that it was right. Sometimes that's exactly how our faith is. We have faith for the negative, but we have a hard time sometimes having faith for the positive. We are surprised when God answers our prayers. We're shocked that God actually does what he says he's going to do. We are astonished that God would care about us and so sure that he will fail to perform his word. I've come to preach to somebody's faith. You've got more faith that you're going down than you do that you're going up. you got more faith that all hell's going to break loose than you do that all of heaven is about to break out. you got more faith that you're going to lose your job than you do in a promotion. You got more faith that your family's gonna fall apart than you do that your family's going to be saved. I've come to preach to you the element of surprise. God's getting ready to turn that thing around. God's getting ready to move that thing in your favor. Amen. Your faith has been so beat up. Amen. Your prayer life has been so negative. But God says, I'm about to turn some things around. I'm preaching about the element of surprise. Like Ananias when he was praying. And the Lord said to him, go to the street called Straight. And find a man by the name of Saul and pray for him. The response of Ananias was, Lord, I have heard many things about this man. How much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on that name on thy name but the Lord said to him go thy way for he is a chosen vessel unto me there Ananias was in the middle of a prayer meeting when God surprised him Ananias was praying how can we get the gospel to the four corners of the world how can we build more churches how can we see more saved when the surprising answer of God was go down and find your worst enemy go down and find the greatest persecutor of the church go down there and find the one who has murdered some of your friends who you have loved ones that have died at his blade you go down there and you find him and you baptize him and you share the gospel with him Ananias said, how can it be not him? Amen. But the Lord, in essence, and I paraphrase, says, I don't choose who you think ought to be saved, Ananias. I don't choose who you think ought to be preaching, Ananias. He is a chosen vessel unto me. Certainly there was more qualified than Saul. Certainly there were more that could have uh, had a better impact in the mind of Ananias than Saul. But 
God used Ananias to go down and preach the gospel to Saul who would end up writing most of our New Testament Bible. I've come to preach to you. You better get ready. God's going to surprise you with some of the people he brings in that back door. God's going to surprise you with some of the people that show up and repent of their sins and obey the gospel. God's going to blow your mind. It's going to be that neighbor you thought would never show up. It's going to be that co-worker you thought would never come to church. It's going to be that family member that swore they would never be a Pentecostal. God's going to get a hold of them. God's going to turn it around. Amen. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. Amen. I believe there's a building for this church out there that's going to surprise us. It's not going to be the one we assumed. It's not going to be the one we thought would be the best fit. But somewhere out there, God's got a building. God's got a sanctuary and a facility for us that when it happens, it'll even surprise us. Oh, but God, send us, Lord. Send us the Saul that nobody else wants. Send us the one everybody else is afraid of. The one everybody else is rejecting. Or like Peter said in 1 Peter 4 and 12 when he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Quit acting like, and I'm using Peter's words so don't get mad at me. Quit acting like you are some kind of specialized victim because the enemy attacked you. He said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. In other words, duh. If you're, that's actually the Greek word is duh. I'm, I'm just kidding, it's not. <laughs> duh. I've been praying more than Pastor. I've been fasting and praying like I never have. And it, it seems like the closer I get to God, the more trials I have. And on behalf of Peter, let me say, duh. We've got this thing so backward in 2023 that we think God's approval is everybody slapping us on the back, sinners and saints and and atheists and Christians, all everybody's singing our praises. Matter of fact, that's that's the time you ought to be concerned. Peter said, don't think it's strange that this trial has happened to you as if if it just came out of nowhere. No, it's strategic. We may be praying, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? But then Peter follows up verse 12 with verse 13, and he says, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering that his glory shall be revealed, and you may be glad also with exceeding joy. 
pardon me for being a little, using a carnal illustration. In other words, in the words of Gomer Powell, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Peter said, you got to rejoice in that. Don't find a reason to weep. Don't find a reason to complain. Don't you pull out the black balloons, uh, amen, and throw yourself a little pity party because you're going through the trial. And don't stand there and tear your face up so everybody knows you're in the midst of a trial. No, he said rejoice, rejoice that ye may be also with exceeding joy because God does not reveal his glory in your triumph. He reveals his glory in our suffering for in my weakness is he made strong too many times we're surprised that God will select somebody like Saul or use a fiery trial for the good in our life we automatically we automatically expect and accept the worst to happen in the text I've read today we find Joshua having recently watched the walls of Jericho come tumbling down only to send 3,000 men to conquer this small little town of Ai coming off the Jericho miracle, AI seems like a certain victory. It is certainly going to happen even without a strain. But because sin got into the camp, not only did AI defeat them, but they were also chased away like a stray dog. Amen. It is here we find that Joshua is surprised. He's not surprised at victory. He is surprised at the defeat. So many times we swap the ends of our faith. We are sure that we're going to fail before we even step out. We are certain it's not going to work even before we step out in faith. I've come to preach to you this afternoon. You need to beef up your faith in the Holy Ghost. You need to strengthen yours. I don't expect to fail. I expect the promises of God to be yea and amen. As the children of God filled with the Holy Spirit baptized in his name, amen, we accept the short end of it as, as if this is the way it should be. But here we have an example of faith positioned for possession of promise, not faith that is positioned for failure. Here we see faith in alignment with God's word and somehow in this service this afternoon I want to convince somebody that you have had faith for failure for far too long but now you need to have faith for success. Your problem is you have faith in God, but you also have faith uh, that you're going to go bankrupt. You have faith your marriage will end in divorce. You got faith uh, that your sickness is going to take you to a grave. You got faith you're going to end up like your mama or your daddy or your grandparents. Uh, amen. You believe it in your heart and you have spoken it with your mouth. Uh, my family's got this, so I'll have it too. This happened to them. It's going to happen to me too. You have believed in your heart, uh, but now you need to get your faith in the right direction and say, I'll put my hope in God. I put my trust in the Lord. 
I know I'm not preaching the most profound message here this morning, this afternoon, but I've come to tell you doubt is nothing more than faith in reverse. And you need to flip it over and say, I'm not going to believe I'm going to be sick. I'm believing for the miracle. My mama may have died of it, but I'm not going to. I'm going to live until God calls me home. All doubt, all doubt is is faith in reverse. And just as faith can heal, doubt can kill. I said just as faith can heal, doubt can kill. Fear, fear can kill. Job said that thing I feared the most came upon me. I know too many people, amen, that speak the curse into their life. You reach a certain age in your life, and if you're honest with me, amen, and honest with yourself, you reach a certain place in your life, and if your parents were not people that you looked up to, if your parents were not people you you, you want to be like, amen, you see all their failures at, at the age that you're approaching, and you think to yourself, I, I'm going to end up being like them. Look, look at all the people in my family that ended up like that. They made bad decisions. They, they lost their marriage. They lost their home. They lost their business. They lost their bank accounts. They, they lost their vehicles. They lost everything, and we begin to secretly, amen, we begin to put ourselves and thinking that well, surely I'm going to go that direction too surely amen but the Lord sent me here as your pastor to tell you it is time to reverse your faith it's time to quit believing for the negative to happen to you and it's time to believe the promises of God that are yea and amen as a matter of fact you need to quit accepting diabetes you need to quit accepting cancer you need to quit accepting heart disease you need to quit accepting failure morally and financially and you you need to stand up and say, no, I'm turning this thing around. I shall live and not die. I speak healing into my family. I speak healing into my home. I speak healing into my body. With the same amount of effort you spend to have unbelief, you can spin and have belief. The only difference is that unbelief accepts the circumstance. While belief accepts the word of him who sits on the circle of the earth. <laughs> unbelief says it is what it is. But faith says it is what it ain't. I don't know about you, but I believe. I believe every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I am living in his love divine because every promise in the book. We were made to believe. Our, our very childish nature causes us to believe. That's why children are so gullible. And I'm not saying that pejoratively children are gullible. You can tell a child anything, you say enough, they'll believe it. You, you don't believe me? Have you not seen what's on the news all the time? The news does the same thing. They'll look you right in the eye and tell you things. They'll throw a stat to it and we'll go, oh. And it's totally opposite of what they said. Because there is that inherent desire within us. We want to believe. We want to believe. 
When we're little kids, we want to believe our, our dad could bench press a bulldozer. I remember the first time I remember seeing my dad with a scar here on his side, and I asked him, I said, where'd that come from? I was a little guy. I said, where'd that come from? He said, oh, boy, that's when we used to, have to, we used to fight the Indians. I said, oh. And he said, Chief Falling Rock shot me with an arrow. That stirred me up because we lived deep in the woods. And my dad played it masterfully because as we drove through the Ozark Mountains, there were signs on the side of the road everywhere. Watch for... Think I'm joking. I was a kid looking at the back of that truck through that little camper shell they called a fun bunk, and I had my face pressed to it, and I'd see a sign and look at my brother. Chief Fallen Rock is still out there. My dad go, Yep, we never got him. He's still in the mountain somewhere. <laughs> I believed. You know what a disappointment it was when I told my friends and they told me it wasn't true? I was the most depressed 17-year-old you ever met. Because we want to believe. My dad was a cowboy, rode horses, had a 10-gallon hat. I wanted to believe. And we will believe, whether it's the word of the devil or the word of God, we are going to believe. We will not remain neutral. We will either believe one or we will believe the other. It is time that, like Joshua, we start wondering, where is my victory? Where is what? Where is what God promised? I'm preaching to somebody today who has become so accustomed to defeat that it doesn't even affect you to be defeated anymore. <laughs> if God tried to give you a miracle today, you'd be just like the church in Acts, praying for Peter's release from prison. God save Pastor. God set Pastor free. God deliver Pastor Peter. Lord, we need a deliverance. Lord, we. Y'all hear that? Yeah, keep praying. Lord, we need deliverance. Oh, God. Oh, God. Do y'all hear that? That's probably Amazon. Keep praying. Oh, God save Peter. Finally, a little girl gets up. She opens the window to the door and she sees Pastor Peter standing there. And the Bible said she got so happy she couldn't even open the door. And she ran back in the church where they're praying. He's still knocking. And she tells him, Pastor's at the door. And they're going, no, he can't be at the door. No, I'm telling you, you wrote a, I'm telling you, he's out there. I saw him. They said it's impossible. He can't be delivered. We're praying for his deliverance. It must be his angel. It can't 
be what we're praying for. Some of you are so stuck praying in a circle that the miracle has tried to come to you and you've missed it. You've missed it so many times because you were so focused on its impossibility. You were more comfortable weeping for it to come than you were rejoicing it when it showed up. But I've come to preach to you about the element of surprise. God's getting ready to turn that thing around. If you've got enough belief that God can, if you will believe that God is able. It's like the guy's walking on the road to Emmaus. Talk about the element of surprise. Jesus has died and resurrected, but they couldn't accept it. And in the presence of the resurrected Christ, Brother Chase, the Bible said they were sad, despairing, and afraid. Is it possible that you are standing in the presence of your miracle right now, but you cannot receive it because you have already accepted defeat? Could it be that your miracle is staring you in the eyeballs right now, but your arms are too busy embracing the can't and the won't and the maybe and it can't and it shouldn't and you're holding on to the defeat grieving rather than pushing defeat aside and embracing the victory and the miracle that is showing up in your life. Have we like the Hebrew children standing on the edge of a land that flows with milk and honey, unable to transfer their faith from fear to faith in their God that he is able when they cried out it'd have been better if we'd have just stayed over there but I'm addressing a spirit that has tried to hinder the progress of first church on more than one occasion I'm not just preaching to people but I'm preaching to spirits in this place right now time and time again that we have stared across the border into the promised land and we have not received it not because God can't and not because God won't. But because we've been disappointed before. We stood on the edge of new buildings. I'm going to preach to the, to the rawness of our spirit right now. We stood on the edge of new buildings. And it failed. And everything we look at, and could you be honest for just 20 seconds, we look through the prism of it didn't happen last time. And we've looked over the border into the land of promise and not received it. And it's not because God can't. And it's not because God won't. And I'm not just talking about a building right now. I just threw that in. But it's not because God can't, not because God won't. It's because we won't believe, we won't accept, or we're just not willing to go in. It's one thing to shout about it when there's a river between you and the enemy. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. It's one thing to juke and jive and spin about and, and worship and talk in tongues and all of that good stuff while there's a river between you and your in. It's something altogether different when you're looking down the barrel of the enemy's gun. Do you still got enough faith to go in and possess the land? But I am preaching to people right now who believe and who are ready. They packed up their bags a long time ago and said, I'm not going to be a statistic. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to be a name carved in a tree in the wilderness somewhere but I'm preaching to somebody and I can feel you in this place right I feel your spirit I feel your faith moving in this place right now you're pulling on me like a kite on a string right now and you're saying come on pastor let me go come on pastor let me go I'm ready I'm ready I want it I want it I've accepted defeat for far too long and I'm preaching you're about to have your mind blown about what God's getting ready to do in your life I'm telling you get ready to Rejoice over the miracle that you've been believing for. <laughs> I'm telling you, the gifts of the Spirit are going to operate freely in our campuses. They do, but I'm, I'm preaching to the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit are going to operate freely in our campuses, and they're going to operate in order and in decency like the Word of God says they are too. Provision is coming to the church in greater portion than we've ever seen before. Healing is being restored to the hands of the people of God. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Brother Chase, we are going to see creative miracles in this building before we get to the next building. We are going to see those that are addicted to alcohol, meth, crack, porn, uh, illicit lifestyles, devil worshipers, witches, and warlocks uh, that are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost uh, and their life is going to be changed. Get ready. Get ready. It's coming. My God, I feel it in this place right now. Pastor, where are we going to put them? I don't know. Sounds like the altar and the baptistry is a good place to put them to me. I, I, I got to hurry. See, the difference between Joshua's first encounter with the promised land and his last encounter was not the walls. It was not the obstacles. It was not the enemies. There were no new promises. There were no new provisions. And there was no new anointing. The difference between his first encounter with the enemy or with the promised land and his last encounter, the difference was the people. The first time he went as a spy, they were victims. The second time they came back, they were victors. The first time they thought like slaves, the second time they thought like warriors. The first time they, they were doubters, the second time they were believers. When God said, shout for the city's yours, they shouted and the walls came down. 40 years earlier, they couldn't believe God for anything. It takes determination and courage to seize the day. It takes a Joshua to stand up and say, God, where's my victory? It takes that same spirit in Caleb, brother Jose, that stands up and says, God, give me my mountain. 
In other words, Joshua said, I couldn't have it last time because of all of the doubters and all of the whiners and all of the complainers and all of those that were cold and backslid and indignant and offended and victims. He said, but not this time. Amen. Caleb said, I put up with your junk and your noise for 40 years. 40 years ago, I said, I want that mountain. And I'm as strong now as I was then. I'm as strong in my 80s as I was in my 40s. Now get me this mountain. I may be old, but I ain't dead. That promise may have been coming for a long time, but it ain't dead. I've come to preach to somebody. You need to get a give me my mountain faith today. You need to use the element of surprise. Some of you, if you shouted today, you'd freak the devil out. Some of you, if you rejoiced today, you would freak the devil out. The devil thinks he's got you bound. The enemy thinks he's got you in the throes of depression. But I've come to preach about the element of surprise. Some of you are convinced you're clinically depressed. Some of you are convinced you're suicidal because it's in your family. Some of you are convinced it's as best as it's ever going to be. But you need to flip the script on hell and say, no, 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 I'm a child of God. I don't expect that. Devil, when you think I'm my weakest, I got a play from the Bible. I'm going to use a play from Sun Tzu. Just when you think I'm my weakest, I'm about to roar out in my strength strongest praise just when you think I'm about to give up just when you think I've lost hope just when you think I've walked away I'm about to step into the moment of my miracle So what happened? Stand with me. So what happened? So what happened? Anybody, anybody feeling the Lord speak to you this afternoon? Whew. I'll tell you what happened. It happened in Joshua chapter 3. Beginning at verse 1 was the response. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel enlarged there before they pass over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then shall ye remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. Joshua gave the people instructions because they didn't know where they were going. But I want you to notice something. Joshua did not say in Joshua 3.3. He did not say we have not passed this way heretofore. He said, you. He said, you have not passed this way before. 
You see, Joshua had been there. And before Joshua had been there, God had already been there. Joshua was one of the original spies. Not only had he been there once before, but he had been there 10,000 times in his mind. Every night before he went to sleep, brother guy, he saw the staggering heights of that tower and he saw the reinforced walls around that city and there was never a night that his head hit his pillow that he didn't think, man, I wish we'd just go get that wall. There wasn't a day that his mind went up idol that his brain didn't go back to the moment he saw the walls of Jericho he couldn't get away from it he couldn't let it go he knew that that was the way it was supposed to be I'm preaching to somebody you've been believing God for a long time you got a word from God a long time ago God showed you something years ago somebody said it by faith years ago and you're still trying to believe it you haven't seen what you wanted to see you haven't seen what you prayed for but I've come to preach to you about the element of surprise you better get ready because God is not slack concerning his promises and you may have been held back from your promised land by those who wouldn't enter in but I'm giving you the opportunity this afternoon to be the first one to dance on the other side of the river I'm giving you the opportunity today to step across the river and say I'm not going to dwell in the tents of those that don't believe I'm moving across I'm following the ark I'm following the anointing you've wept long enough in the wilderness it's time to dance and rejoice in the promised land you have sobbed and sighed long enough in the desert it's time for you to dance in your promise it's time for you to move in. <laughs> oh, go ahead and lift your voice to the Lord. Come on. <laughs> Get ready to move in. Get ready to move in. <laughs> You've grieved over it long enough. You've wept over it long enough. You've cried over it long enough. It's time for you to step out of the graveyard and step into the glory land and say, today's my day. I'm talking about the element of surprise. You knew God could do something today, but you had no idea today would be your day to step out of the desert and into deliverance. Somebody's got to dance that's going to lead you into revival. Some of you's got to shout that's going to lead you into a miracle. Some of you's got to praise that's going to lead you into a promise. You need to use the element of surprise. I'm not as broke as I thought I was. I'm not as depressed as I thought I was. I'm not as bound as I thought I was. I've got freedom. I've got victory. I'm a child of God. I 
I'm going to praise him before the walls come down. I'm going to shout before the first brick comes shaking loose off the wall. I'm going to rejoice before they lay flat because God has given us the victory. Now, get ready. I know we ain't got a lot of room, but get ready. I kind of, I feel like I'm in the mindset of Jesus today. Didn't say that I was, but of the mindset. When he walked into Jairus' house. Remember that brother Chase, he walked in. They already had the mourners there. And the mourners went there. Because that little girl was dead. And they were weeping. That's, what, that's exactly how the Jewish mourners did it. Matter of fact, the rich people hired people to mourn because the mourn crying they had, it was a status of wealth. There were dozens of mourners inside and outside that house that day. And Jesus walked in. And the Bible said he put them all out. He said, shut your crying mouth. Well, they got mad because they weren't going to get their payday. The Bible said he put them all out. Then he said, remember what he said? He said, this girl is not dead. She, she's sleeping. Then they went from weeping to the Bible said they laughed him to scorn. He said, get on up out of here. See, some of you got way too much time on the mourner's bench. You've got way too much people around you crying over everything. And while I'm telling some of you your miracle is about to happen, there's a mocking going on back. It can't happen. It's too late now. You're too far past that. It won't work. You missed that boat a long time ago. That ship has sailed. Uh, amen. And every other euphemism you can think of. Uh, oh, it won't happen. It can't happen. It's too late. Should have happened a long time. You messed up too much. You've sinned too much. You failed God. It won't happen. It can't happen. But what you need to do is start putting that out right now. Say, you get out of my mind. You get out of my spirit. You get out of my heart because that thing you thought was dead is about to live again because the resurrection and the life is in come on I feel it right now you ought to get ready. You may ought to warn somebody around you. I'm about to turn loose. I'm about to magnify God. Hold on, not yet. I'm about to magnify God. I'm about to turn loose in my worship. I've wept long enough. I've cried long enough. I blame myself long enough. I blame the devil long enough. Now I'm about to give God the glory. Is there a Caleb this afternoon? Is there a Caleb in this house that'll say, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. Give me, I'm not going to accept defeat. Give me my mountain. I'm not going to accept defeat. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. God is still able. God is still able. Come on, 
Come on, somebody, you ought to just turn loose and begin to go ahead, Sister Donna. You go right ahead. Give me my mountain. 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 Hear that emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You ought to step out in that aisle. You ought to find yourself some room. Say, give me my mountain. I've been believing long enough. I want to see it. I believe it. They say, Pastor, I think that's just a little bit of emotionalism. I don't know about all that stuff. Will you just sit there with your little dead promise? But some of us are going to move in. Some of us are going to get AI. Some of us are going to get the mountain. Some of us leaving here tripping with milk and honey. Some of us are going to leave here walking and talking in the promises of God. We're almost there. I, I know what I'm doing. Come on. Keep praying. I know what I'm doing. This ain't my first rodeo. Come on. Keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Some of you have already checked out. Some of you have already, well, that wasn't for me. You, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it again. Your promise is right in front of your face. You're too busy kissing your defeat when you should be embracing your promise. You ought to, come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray as the Spirit gives you the utterance. In just a moment, you're going to do things you didn't think you would do. You're going to worship in ways you thought you were past worshiping. Come on, that's it. Push in. Push in, Caleb. Push in, Joshua. Keep on pushing. Keep on praying. You're about to have a breakthrough. Not a superficial breakthrough. Not a goosebump breakthrough. You're about to break into a dimension of faith and healing and victory and joy and peace. we're going to take that next step in just a moment you just need to pray in the spirit a little bit longer you're still putting the doubters out you're still putting the naysayer out you're pushing out that doubt out of your mind pray in the Holy Ghost until all you can hear reverberate in your heart and in your mind is yes he's able yes he's able yes he's able yes he will yes he can yes he will
Now, how many is ready to take that next step? How many is ready to take that next step? Now, I'm not here to preach a sermon. I came to give you a message today. We're going to take that next step. Now, when Caleb got ready to take his mountain, he turned to Judah. And he said, I want, I want Judah to fight with me. I want Simeon to fight with me. In other words, Caleb said, I ain't about to scale one rock unless Judah goes with me. See, the problem is you think you can defeat everything by yourself. Jesus wouldn't even send the disciples out except it was two by two. Caleb said, give me Judah. If I'm going to take that mountain, give me Judah. Give me Judah. Give me Judah. You need to find somebody in this place that ain't a stick in the mud. You don't need to find yourself a Sister Debbie Dowder. You need to find yourself somebody that's got faith. You need to take them by the hand if it's your spouse or your prayer partner or family. You need to take, and you need to walk them up to this front right now. You need to take somebody by if you want a miracle today. If you're ready for the element of surprise, you ought to get somebody by the hand and say, come on, Judah. Come all the way up to this altar. We got people coming from everywhere. Come on. Don't say their name. Say, come on, Judah. Come on, Judah. Come on, Judah. Come on, Judah. I need a worshiper. Come on, Judah. I need a worshiper. Come on, Judah. I'm tired, but I need a worshiper. I'm weary, but I need a worshiper. Come on, Judah. Come on, Judah. Help me get my mountain. Come on, Judah. Help me get my mountain. Come on, Judah. Help me get my mountain. I've been believing for years, but I need a Judah. Come on, Judah. I've been in the graveyard too long. Help me, Judah. Come on, Judah.
loved ones are going to be saved. Backsliders are coming home. Financial breakthroughs coming. Come on, Judah. Help me. Help me get this mountain. Help me get this Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.